Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtzcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, we're here to chat all things Aston Villa Football Club. Uh, we're bringing this to you on a Sunday, of course, Villa playing on the Friday, a 3-1 loss at the Emirates to me, Kale Arteta's Arsenal. Um, yeah, that happened. Uh, three losses on the bounce. Um, we don't really, and this is probably not the greatest thing to kind of say right off the bat on a podcast um we really kind of didn't have much prep for this because it was just such a terrible result and I thought you know what this is probably better for one to kind of go into it and look at it and kind of go and dive in and out of the game and look at kind of the wider problem as a whole um I don't want to say it's a crazy problem right now because I know the manner of the defeats but you know what we still have a lot of games to play but anyways let's get over to the guys first of course we do have simon o'regan and sebastian bacon here so simon i'll go to you first how's it going uh not too bad i've uh can think of better ways to start weekends than watching that on a friday night it was just uh that first half was i think probably the last time we were that bad i'm thinking leicester away uh just before the pandemic hits that was that was pretty bad that night and yeah that first 45 minutes last night wasn't great was it no not at all I'm still kind of pondering even what to say to be honest like it's one of those results where I'm left speechless but anyways Seb how's it going for you yeah who'd be a football fan eh I mean looking at Simon's face he looks so glum I think if I were to make any sort of joke about him it might genuinely reduce him to tears so I think I might rain back this week but yeah not a podcast you want to be doing wow very 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 kind of you after taking um shots at his um status of the top of his head earlier this week on Twitter but anyways um you know what it is what it is uh let's let's crack into it guys I mean like I said a 3-1 loss um just from the get-go, really, it never really clicked. Uh, you'd probably have to sit there and say Ollie Watkins' red, red card, yellow card, I should say, thank God it wasn't a red, uh, yellow card in the first opening minutes kind of typified, really, the frustration of that performance from the Villa fan perspective. And from there on, really, we really never got going. It was chasing Arsenal. You knew they were going to come at us. They start every game relatively strong, and kind of fade off eventually and they did just that but we just played right into their hands but Simon how did you see it um it was just really 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 bad to watch um kind of I think I said on Twitter last night that you can sometimes you'll play against a team that just play better than you and you'll lose the game and that happens you can accept that what's not acceptable is is being out bullied and being outfought, especially by by Arsenal, who, let's be honest, are a pretty soft touch, you know, over the last few years. So 
to there's no real excuse for that. And it just it was such a disjointed performance. It I mean the defense was so casual at times. I mean, I don't know where they've got the confidence to have been that casual. You, you'd have thought after the absolute meltdown against Wolves in those final 10 minutes, you, I was really expecting a reaction uh, from that game. And McGinn just seemed off it as well. Louise didn't really get involved from what I can remember of it. And the front two of uh, Ings and Watkins is just not working. I uh, clearly, they Smith must see something in training to persist with it. But whatever, if they're doing it in training, they're not translating it onto the pitch on the match day because it's, it's just not working at all. But I thought Watkins looks really off. Yeah, I think he's looked off it all season. He hasn't started off well yet. Um, so, yeah, it's a bit of work to do, I think. Yeah, massively. And it's... It's just so frustrating to sit back and look at it. And I watched the highlights back before I went to bed last night. And I wish I didn't do that, to be honest. I probably would have had better dreams uh, instead of nightmares. But um, it's so frustrating to kind of sit there and look at it. And you think, you know what? It's another opportunity. Arsenal are in a slump. Um, Well, they've been in a slump for a number of seasons. And we've taken advantage of that. And then you go into this one. And it's the same players and I can kind of understand that maybe the mindset of you want to put the same players out because you want to give them that opportunity to rectify the last horror show of 15 minutes against Wolves and I can kind of appreciate that but I mean at the end of the day it just kind of seems like the best way I can put it at least is we're just going through the motions like they're present but they're not like they're just checked out mentally it almost seems like and I don't know if that's because certain players don't want to play in that formation and they're not comfortable with it. Like target, I would say is probably the perfect example of that. Um, It's just not clicking, but Seb, how do you see it? Yeah. I mean, a word I'd probably use to sum up the performance was embarrassing. I was embarrassed sitting there watching it and I can't imagine what it would have been like for the away support last night. Um, Yeah. Arsenal started strong. Um, and we're pretty unfortunate not to score earlier. I think we rode our luck a few times, um, and then the first one hit, and you thought, right, that might wake us up, that might kick us into, you know, stringing a few passes together, but no, it the torment got worse and worse from there, and, you know, the first half was one of the first, worst first halves I've seen of football in many, many years. I can't think back to a worse starting performance than that probably like Simon said until the season that we stayed up in um the formation didn't work Arsenal ran riot um and yeah it didn't really get much better until you know things changed at half time which is a credit to Smith because although I believe he got it wrong starting off last night he he saw that it wasn't working at half time, changed it, and we came out of the second half and we looked to be a, a bit more on the front foot, and it seemed to work until we got caught out for a third by Arsenal, and by that time the game's dead at two 0 If we go and catch a goal, then you know we give them a nervy second half, but at three nil the game's the game's dead, and I think the players sort of knew that. It felt as though watching it, the players knew the game was dead then because it turned into a bit of a nothing first half, uh, second half. 
But yeah, the game was a hot. It was a really scrappy affair, which is not something I was expecting. The first half was a bit like a rugby game, probably starting by Watkins getting yellow card within a minute. A super tackle to make, but it seemed to sum up our performance really and where the players' heads were at because then none of them seemed switched on, none of them seemed focused enough. And, you know, when you play like that at the highest level, it will cost you. Well, let's kind of break it down like this. Of course, Thomas Party for Arsenal got the first goal, and that's four set-piece goals in two games we've conceded. Um, <sighs> um, I thought we were supposed to be better at this, and we're clearly not. Um, I mean... You, you sit there and you look and everyone can say, well, we have a set piece coach for this. And yeah, but I'm still seeing the same things that I've seen for the last two plus seasons. You have McGinn still marking some of the tallest people on the pitch and things like that. And I, I just don't get it. But Simon, what do you make of it? I mean, I, I know teams can kind of go through these blips and it is what it is. And there'll be other teams that kind of concede a lot of set pieces and kind of one short sample size. But how did you see it? I, I think the point you make on McGinn there is a good one. I, because like you say, this that's not the first time he's seemingly been chosen to mark the biggest player on the opposition. I, I really don't understand the logic behind that, whether they're trying to pull some Jedi mind trick on the opposing players and they think, God, this little fella's marking me. He must be good in the air. <laughs> I'm not going to score here. Um, I suppose the wider point on set pieces in general, I, don't, I think it's probably just because of the amount of the Wolves goals that we conceded. And then obviously the first one last night is fresh in the mind. So you that's that's the one thing that you immediately pick on. Two games in a 38-game season, you know, it's that's nothing. If if over the next, say, three, four, five games, we're still then conceding goals from set pieces, then I'll start to get worried. But I think those Wolves, I think the goals against Wolves were the first ones we conceded, I think, from a corner or something. So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see how that plays out over the next few weeks. But it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's always disappointing to concede a goal from the set piece and the, the way that first one went in. And what was annoying with that was they'd had warning signs as well. I think hadn't they hit had they hit the bar or something before that? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's what would piss me off more. That you know, if that's the first set piece that they've they've scored uh, that they score with, then you know you can sort of go fair enough. Those things happen when you've had you've had two or three warnings and then you've still got bit by it. That's that's where um, there's questions that need to be answered, I think, with that. Seb, I'll come to you with this one. I'll spin it in a different way. What's more concerning, conceding these defensive set pieces or the way that we're currently taking uh, set pieces in the attacking zone? Um, the only reason I say that is because, um, was it Buendia? And I can't remember the other one that was, again, I think on that one set piece and they kind of confused each other and stutter stepped each other. And then I think you look at that one corner as well when we started everyone at the back post and we, I don't even think we even got it to the front post. Um, so what's more concerning for you? I'm, I'm honestly just laughing at this point, to be honest, because if you think of it in that way, it's, it's shambolic, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't think, I think the defensive set pieces are more of a worry because we've shown that we can um, create danger and put teams on the back foot from our attacking set pieces. So we know that they can work, you know, 
last night was just a shambles altogether. So I don't think we can really put pinpoint set pieces for that. But defensively, yeah, it really wasn't great, was it? I mean, Wolves almost it almost seemed as though it was the same game that they they still thought that they were in the last 10 minutes of that game and they were holding on for something the way we defended the last 15 minutes. Um, Thomas Party obviously spoiling Villa's Friday night party with his first goal for Arsenal. I think that could sum up Villa in a nutshell. Um, yeah, and like I said, you know, set, they caused us problems from set pieces all evening and we didn't really seem to learn from it either. Watching McGinn mark the tallest man is always a baffling sight for me, whether they think that he'll be able to stop their run with his backside or what. I'm I'm not too sure, but yeah, it, it wasn't pretty viewing last night. No, and the, the one thing kind of now I also want to talk about, because I feel like maybe I'm the only one that feels this way, is, um, of course, uh, the penalty decision with Lacazette and Target. Um I've watched it back a number of times and I'm still a little confused by it. Um, from my perspective, at least it does look like his toe pokes it. And then he literally just kind of like, it just doesn't, this is my, this is my issue with it. it. It's not like he's coming through the back of him and brunt force. It literally looks like he taps the back of his calf and he goes, so he makes contact with him. <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I, no, I understand that, but the way I, I the, the rolling around and the stuff yeah. after that's the stuff that annoys me because it did. Let's be honest, it didn't hurt. Like, yeah, that's, that's what drives me nuts. I understand why they make the most of it, but like, I, I don't know. It, it it's one for me. Like, I understand if that if that's us, I can pro. I don't know. It, it's a tough one. Simon, save me from this. If 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 that's <laughs> at the other end. And we don't get given the penalty. I'm going absolutely mental. Hundred percent. It's like I feel sorry. Target was unlucky. I think because I don't think he knew Lacazette was behind him. I think he's he's obviously he's, he's on the ground in the box. The ball's coming towards him. He's sort of panicking the bit. So he's just trying to put a foot out to kick it. Lacazette's been quite clever and managed to get his foot just in front of him and protect the ball. He's kicked him. He's not kicked him hard, but. It is a penalty. It's it's just really unfortunate. It's just, yeah. I mean, and you know what? Maybe that's more so how the game is today. I mean, it is. Um, and to be fair, Lacazette was. If I, I don't know if I've seen a player more on the ground. I know he does go into a lot of kind of challenges, kind of maybe not in the safest manner. But the amount of times I saw that man on the ground yesterday, holy, wept. Anyways, um, yeah, that, that that's all I wanted to say and see if anyone had agreed with me. No one agrees with me, but anyways, um, you can blame the, the Canadian at least. Um, yeah, anyways, let's 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 move on from that because I feel like an idiot now. Um I mean it doesn't really get much better in the second half. I we make that change, as you guys said, in formation. Bailey comes on, but again, Seb, it's basically Bailey against 11 it's him trying to make things happen and you look at kind of the i mean the cohesion yesterday like how spread out players were you you'd have to think that Buendia has to kind of support his wingers in that kind of instance a little bit more it's not being provided i mean you could we could go on about probably Watkins and Ings as a duo probably for three hours if someone wants that on a live stream to be honest um, it just, we got a little bit better, but again, it's just, it's more of the same really, isn't it? Yeah. And I 
don't understand why Bailey didn't start. We mentioned it before we started the podcast, and I've always been a firm believer of you start with your best players. If he was able to come on at half time, then I believe he should have started. Whether he's not 100% match fit, you start with your best players, and then you know you assess their match situation or their match fitness throughout the game and bring them off when needs be because you have to start the game strongly. I don't remember the last time that we went a goal down or even two goals down and came back to win a game. So that is a real weakness of ours. Um, as we've been quite susceptible to it on the other end. Um, yeah, Bailey, Bailey looked good last night. I think he struggled creating chances, but not through a fault of his own in a weird way. I don't think he had much help going on and, you obviously saw the goal when it happened was a little bit of brilliance from Ramsey and I am absolutely made up for him because I feel as though he's been looking for that for a long time coming. Um, however, for it to come in that circumstance is a bit of a downer, but look, that should get him off the mark now. I think he's been really positive in recent weeks when he's come on. I think we've looked a lot better as a unit and he's able to drive us up the pitch a lot more, but yeah, struggles last night. A lot of, lot of struggles. Massively. And Simon, of course, Seb touched on Jacob Ramsey scoring his first goal. It was one hell of a shot, to be honest. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere. And you'd have to say, if he realized probably he had a little bit more time on his next opportunity, he probably would have tucked that away too. Um, it does a world of good for his confidence, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, it's brilliant. Brilliant for him. Um, like Seb said, he's, he's been quite positive this season he's, he's he's been one of the bright lights I think he'll be a bit annoyed now that he was actually on the bench last night I, I fully expect him to start against West Ham next weekend um, a great goal as well he's, he's kind of I feel sorry for him and the way I felt sorry uh, do you remember John McGinn's volley against Sheffield Wednesday the, that, that came in, the, in a defeat and like, I always feel so sorry when a player scores an absolute worldie but you've lost the game so it means nothing really and that's, that was, you know, it's a bit like that with Ramsey's last night. But personally for him, I think, yeah, it's just great for him to get off the mark. And been, he's, he, see, he looks to me, now that he's got one, I'd like to think he, he looks like he should be capable of, of getting around the double figures mark. If, he, if he's playing week in, week out at the Premier League, he looks like a midfielder that could hit eight, nine, ten goals in the league a season. He, he carries the ball really well and he's clearly got good technique. He saw from the goal last night. He knows what he's doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think I think that if you're looking for any positives from last night, you'd say Jacob Ramsey and Leon Bailey getting 45 minutes in his legs and hopefully he'll, he'll get a start on, on Sunday, next Sunday as well. Yeah, and I said this before the pod too, um, when Bailey went down and held himself for a moment there, um, I think I went to a state of shock as well, and I put Danny Raza into a little bit of a panic in our WhatsApp group. So sorry, Danny, if you're listening back to this. Um, I should have provided more information kind of at a quicker pace. But anyways, um, I guess kind of to transition from the player that probably should have played in the middle as in Ramsey and started from there to the man that should be out wide but is being played in the middle, and that's Emi Buendia. What do you guys kind of make of that? Because, of course, we kind of discussed this as well. And I, I think at this point, and we saw kind of at it in his Norwich days, he did play in the middle here and there. 
it very rarely worked, especially at this level. And we saw the dominance that he had, especially last season. Of course, it's in the championship, but playing out wide, what he can bring out there, he's allowed a lot more freedom out there. And the one thing that kind of stuck, kind of stood out to me more than anything was, of course, we, everyone kind of points out the amount of times that he loses the ball, uh, the poor passing and all that kind of stuff. But when you're playing as a winger or wide player, you have more opportunity and leeway with that. Like, if you guys kind of know what I mean in that sense, like you're going to have more space. You're going to be able to spread them out when you're so compact in the middle, which I don't really feel like he's familiar with and used to, especially in a three, five, two, where if you lose the ball, especially in certain areas, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. I, I just think we're shooting ourselves in the foot. And once again, it's square pegs and round holes, but Seb, how do you see it? It's difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, he's an attacking player and, He's one that can carry the ball so well and can link up play so well. I think it was Wolves where there was one passage of play where he must have given the ball and received it back, you know, about six or seven times without Wolves getting on the ball. And he was spraying passes and he was moving the ball forward and it looked really positive. So, you know, he's a professional footballer. He can play in attacking midfield. He's obviously more used to playing out wide, which we haven't really seen much of him yet. But maybe now with the addition of Bailey being match fit and Triore coming back, that might be something that we see more of a regular occurrence for because, yeah, he has struggled, hasn't he? I don't think he's been as bad as probably some fear. Um, but whether his price tag comes into play and that's still in the back of people's minds when they're judging him. But these things take time. I'm, I'm not one that's overly concerned, yet he's shown us how good he can be and how much of an important asset he can be going forward. And, you know, when we get a fully fit squad, I'm sure he'll be a vital part of that. Yeah, massively. And I I guess if we kind of, I kind of want to make this a little bit positive. I mean, I hate being kind of dreary the whole time. Um, And I'm sure listeners kind of probably feel the same way. Eventually you want a little bit of sunshine in your day, if at all possible, Going ahead and going forward, of course, like we said at halftime, we did see the change in formation and it did seem to work a little bit. Of course, there's still some work to be done there and to have everyone fully kind of fit would be nice as well. And it feels like we're just kind of starting to see that finally now crossing our fingers that someone doesn't come out midweek and they're injured. Uh, But knowing our luck, probably. But anyways, Simon, I'll throw this over to you kind of going forward, especially into the West Ham game, at least. And even if you even want to talk about Watkins and Ings as a duo, how do you think we need to kind of line up and what's the kind of mindset we kind of have to go into that game? Line up? God. Um, I, I'd personally go back to the 4-3-3. Um, I think, obviously, Bailey has got to be one of those wide players. And then I think Smith's got to make a decision whether he goes Watkins widening to the middle or he drops one of Watkins or Ings and has Traore or Brendier wide as well. I, I think I mean, that's probably what he's got to look at. Midfield three, I'll probably be going begin Louise Ramsey myself, I think. Um, I mean, we need to get a result, don't we? <laughs> that's, it's as simple as that. Um, I kind of, I don't know, weirdly, I'm kind of, confident about that game because I think okay we've had obviously three defeats on the bounce that's not great 
<laughs> clearly that's not great. But I, I think we, I think we have, we have got too good a squad of players to go on like long losing runs or to be in, get into, get dragged into lower league positions. We we have got a very good squad of players, and you know it's only a few weeks ago when we were praising. You know how well we, you know, we uh, lost three 0 to Chelsea. We were excellent that game. We beat Everton three 0 Then we went and beat United. And you know, three three games ago, we were on here after the United game. You know, big smiles on our faces, saying how amazing everything is. And maybe we got carried away. But now, after three games, three defeats in those, you've got to make sure that you don't get carried away too far the other way. I think it's kind of. You need. I don't know what. I don't know what, what I'm trying to say here. People just need to sense calm down a bit, not overreact too much. I mean, you've got to take things in context as well. That Wolves game, okay, we've lost it, which was shit, but we shouldn't have lost that game for you for 80 minutes. We're in control of that. So something like that, you can write that off as like just a, a freak result. But obviously, the uh, last night's game. That's the type of performance you don't want to see again. So, yeah, I don't know. I've just rambled on there. Seb, you come in. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you rambled on, but you you've pretty much said everything that that I was thinking. I, I think Ings and Watkins isn't working, and although these things take time, it's important that they don't take too much time, and we spend so long in Premier League minutes trying to fit them in that we end up suffering as a team because of that. If it was between me, I'd I'd probably go Ings. I mean, I love Watkins, but he hasn't shown the performances. With Ings, you know that he can be having an average day game and pull a goal out of somewhere. Whereas with Watkins so far this season, I believe that he will score if he's playing well. If he's if he's having an average game, then he'll almost be a passenger at times. But in terms of not overreacting, I think we've got four games now where wins should be expected out of the majority of them. I think obviously West Ham flying high at the moment, but that's a team that I'd like to think that we could go toe-to-toe for. And they're obviously our direct competition at the moment if we're looking to get into Europe with how successful they're doing at the moment. Then we've got Southampton next and Southampton are struggling for goals at the moment. They don't seem to be prolific and Hassan Hootel came under a bit of pressure and before he beat Leeds. So that's always a game that I'd hope to win. Brighton obviously flying high, but they're in the same sort of position that we were in last season. And I think if we could put a performance against them, that would be a sort of statement that we could go on and kick on from there. And then obviously Crystal Palace, who are a slight unknown factor at the moment because you're not sure what performance you're going to get from them. Vieira's got them playing attacking football, but they still look quite susceptible at the back. So out of those games, you know, there could be, hopefully, you'd like to think somewhere between six, seven, nine points out of there. So... I think if we reassess after that and then we come back and think, you know what, let's look at the bigger picture. We're now, what, 10-ish games into the season, 11, 12, whatever that may be, you know, about a third of the way, nearly a half of the way through. So we'll be able to assess from there and look at the bigger picture. Well, I think the one thing too is a lot of us did say, I feel like if I'm thinking correctly, in the season preview that we did, um, 
I felt like most of us kind of had that feeling that we'd be more of a second half team just with the the craziness in the offseason, all the the Grealish malarkey that went on and all that kind of stuff. Um, there's his name again. Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's every podcast still. Um, but regardless, it's it's one of those you kind of have to sit back and look at the bigger picture. And you know what? If we're sitting here in February, March, I guess you could say too, and we're still in 13th, 14th, fair enough for your criticism. I, I understand that. <sighs> but you're going to see a lot of teams have blips this season. And we saw it last season and it like basically no one in the stands last season affected a lot of teams and it boosted a lot of teams. People might go down that route and kind of think, you know what, maybe that's the situation for us. I think, you know what, it's kind of a wait and see thing. I think that's a little bit of a cop out, but you know what, it's for the players and for Dean Smith and the coaching staff to figure it out. Now, all we can really do is sit there and back, sit back and watch and, We'll have to see what unfolds. But one thing that Seb just did uh, bring to my attention before we wrap things up here is that uh, Maddie Cash is at the Polish Embassy in London for um, We Play for Poland meeting. Um, I don't know. That wasn't really kind of Fabrizio Romano shared or reported, I should say. Um, maybe not the greatest English, but anyways. Um, so it looks like his process to have uh, the Polish nationality is underway. So Simon, throughout your many years here um, in the Villa Sphere, have we ever had a, a Polish player? You know, I was just thinking that, and I can't think of one actually. No, I don't think we have. Do we have to call well, him uh, Kashadowski? If, if we did, then he, he was obviously crap because I, I can't remember if we have had one. No, I think he would be our first Polish player, Mateusz Kasz. Yeah, Mateusz Kasz. Matthew Polodowski, Matthew, um, <laughs> Matthew Kaszczek. I don't know. Um, you know, it so- sounds pretty good. It'll be pretty cool to see a, another nationality on there. We're, we're very diverse these days. So um, that's probably the biggest positive news that we can have in the last 24 hours. Well, to be, I mean, like, just, just from, from Matty Cash's point of view, it's great because, I mean, he's, he's not going to get into the England team just because no. England seems to just have so many right backs you know left right and center there's right backs coming out so um for you know is a chance for them to now go to a world cup you know play playing a world cup or play in the european championship so it's brilliant so you know i'm a big fan of matty cash he seems like a really nice lad as well so yeah i'm, I'm really happy for him well exactly it, it just gives him more opportunity to grow and develop as a footballer so all the power to him hopefully it works out and Again, you're getting experiences that, unfortunately, you're not going to get with England right now. It, it is what it is, really. And, unfortunately, we would love to see more Villa players in there. I still don't know how Konza doesn't get a shout. But, anyways, maybe that's uh, clear to blue tinted glasses in that one. And I guess maybe a 3-1 loss to Arsenal, 3-2 loss to uh, Wolves is probably maybe not going to do him in. But it is what it is but anyways guys i think we'll leave it at that it's probably a bit of a shorter pod this one and we probably stumbled through it but uh as our as villa did 
um, on Friday, um, stumbled and fumbled. We are trying to make sense of that and stumbling and fumbling ourselves. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. We try to put a little bit of positivity in it if it's at all possible. And of course, if you want to leave us a review on Spotify, Acast, um, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your pods, uh, please leave that review. It just makes it easier for other people to find us. And of course, it kind of uh, makes us uh, feel good a little bit too, especially after that loss. And of course, um, like I said, probably multiple times over the last week or so of course we are partnered with acorns children's hospice our fundraising page is of course live on just giving so if you go to justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash villa that's literally ingrained into my brain now i've done that intro for that one pod so many times um yeah just leave a donation of course our goal is to hit hopefully a thousand dollars it's set up in canadian but you know what i mean so technically for you brits that should make it a little bit easier because your money is worth way more than ours and that shows the strength of our government but anyways let's not go into politics um we'll, we'll leave it at that this is a terrible outro but nonetheless hopefully someone will enjoy it thank you very much to simon and seth for joining me we'll leave it there and don't forget uh, the villa Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 